A date who also looks like his picture? Unexpected. At Blue Apron, we love the unexpected. With the kind of unexpected ingredients that lead you to discover something new, Blue Apron offers amazing recipes that also let you show off your skills. An at-home dinner date that goes incredibly well? Now that's unexpected. Blue Apron. Expect the unexpected. Visit blueapron.com unique and get $110 off across your first five deliveries plus free shipping off your first box. This is Karen with newclevelandradio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And as many of you know, Avoid the Maze is about talking about your journey. And um, your journey may not be exactly like mine, but you know what? Somewhere along that path, um, we're going to start seeing some very similar things in our lives. And when we do, uh, it makes us feel a little bit empowered not empowered that we're better than anybody else, but you know what? Everything can be okay. There are ways of making that path just a little smoother. However, my guest today, Darcy Steiner, uh, when she sent me the information uh, about her path, uh, my eyes rolled back in my head a couple of times. Um, And I'm so glad you're smiling, Darcy, because, (laughs) uh, you know, Sometimes when we write out what we've been through, um, it's like, whose story am I writing? That, that, that couldn't have all happened to me. But the reality of it is, um, all those things do happen in our lives. So welcome to Avoid the Maze. Hopefully some of what you've been through um, you know, can be a light for us to say, hey, you know, how can I do that a little bit differently? And uh, so welcome and tell us just a little bit about who you are. Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for having me today and um, appreciate it so much. So I am Darcy Steiner, a Colorado native, Um, although I lived in California for four years with my husband before we had kids. And uh, we were there during kind of a rough time. during the Northridge quake and riots and oh my goodness, it was a scary time uh, to live in Los Angeles, but we survived yeah. and moved back to Colorado to have our kids. So um, anyway, I um, I have a lot of stories. I have um, two kids, they're grown um, and I have a granddaughter. Oh, how exciting is that? Yeah, she's nine months old and um, she is the joy of our week. So my husband, Mark and I, we get to go over weekly and watch her grow and change. And, you know, it's so different watching a granddaughter grow up than your own kids because so much happens in a day, you know, when they're growing that you just watch, but when you don't watch it every day and you see the weekly change, oh my goodness, it's so much growth happens in a week. So we just enjoy being grandparents. That is wonderful. Absolutely. And I'm sure she enjoys having grandma and grandpa come, you know, stay with her as well. Well, she likes to wave now. So she waves hello and goodbye. Uh And yeah, we just play. Well, 
that's what grandparents are supposed to do. You did all the work (laughs) (laughs) with your kids. So now it's fun time. Yeah. So So one of the things you mentioned is that in your early marriage, um, you lived during a time that um, you didn't have, you couldn't have changed it. Okay. I mean, earthquake is a natural disaster and the rioting uh, back then in California, uh, I'm sure that wasn't part of your doing, but there you are and you're caught in the middle of it. Um, did you feel like running, you know, back to Colorado at that time? Oh my goodness. Um, yes and no. Yes, because in Colorado just felt safer. It was more familiar, but we were also out for an experience, you know, and we only knew Colorado. Both of us are from Colorado. Okay. Um, so it was an adventure. We got married there. Actually, we made our whole family come out to California. <laughs> um, we, we would have done that differently, but, um, yeah, I mean, the earthquake was scary. You know, it was, we lived next door to a fire station. Oh, wow. And yeah. so all the alarms were going off and everybody in California has a car alarm, right? So all the car alarms were going off. Our bed was, I felt like it was in a snow globe and we were being shaken and oh, the wow. bed was just going up and down because it was early morning. And uh, we just, my, my husband just held on to me while I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what husbands are supposed to do. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So, and then the rioting, you know, that made me think. That really made me think because um, I was watching cars be lit on fire. I was coming down, you know, picking my husband up from work, coming down um, a mountain, you know, kind of a hill and looking across the landscape and seeing fires everywhere, you know, and then there was the looting. And so it was like, is this for real? You know, are we living in a, a, a tale or another country? Yeah. You know, it, just, it didn't feel real, um, but it was. And we survived together. Our you know, our first four years, we survived in LA together and I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. I think suffering helps us to grow. And I feel like that suffering that we went through then helped prepare us for um, future suffering. And as people are listening to this, one of the things that I want to point out is that sometimes when we're going through those tragic things, um, we know that they're not good, but <clears throat> we still are trying to do the daily things that we do. And sometimes we try to put blinders on, uh, just to get through it. Um, cause you know, if there's nothing you can physically do, you can't stop the earthquake when the earthquake is over. Yes. There's some cleaning up that you have to do. Um, and so you have to go about somewhat of a routine. Your routine is not the same as it was the day before, but you create a routine. And then when you see things going on in your city that um, 
are affecting you, but from a distance, you start making choices there too. And your journey probably was a little bit different. There probably were places that you wouldn't travel to, especially at certain times of day, just to be safe. So as people listen, it's really important to understand that sometimes we don't realize what great surviving skills we really have. Right, right. Like children can adapt to change. I think we forget we can as adults. Exactly. You know, children are resilient. You know, you put them in a different situation and they thrive. Like we can do it too. And we forget because we're so ingrained with our routine but that's why it was healthy for us to go and to stay and not run away from that um, because it did help us grow in ways that we needed to. And it did bond our marriage, you know, because we had to rely on each other more and, you know, really have some deep conversations like, you know, what's our day gonna look like? And, even are we going to survive this sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know? there were times we had to go drive out at night during the riots and we kept our faces straight ahead. We didn't look at the car next to us and we just made it to our destination. And oh, and with the earthquakes, when we were, went under an overpass, we were like, okay, come on, light, turn green, turn green. <laughs> we don't want to be under this underpass anymore, <laughs> this under overpass anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just, you realize different things. And, and, you know, what people in other cultures go through daily, like we are so spoiled in America, you know, we, this was good for us. Well, so that was the beginning of your journey, but that's not even, even a <laughs> fraction of what you've been through. True. True. So when you went back to Colorado, um, what was the de deciding factor that it was time to go back? Well, I had gotten pregnant. Okay. And we decided we didn't want our kids growing up in the alley. <laughs> of our apartment because we would never have been able to afford a house in California so um and grandparents you know both of our parents were back here so I was I think five months pregnant when we moved back with my first daughter and um we have two daughters like I said and so I wanted to be home with them and so I started a daycare and uh chose to be with my kids and help some other parents work and did a daycare. But I just, at that time, I just, all I wanted to do was be a parent. I just wanted to soak it up and pour in. I just wanted to pour into these kids and be there for them. So I didn't work outside of the home. Um, so, and then we had our second daughter uh, two and a half years later and uh, when she was two and a half then another suffering happened so I it was around Christmas time this was 1999 and I wanted to listen to Christmas music it was just before Christmas 
So I ran up the stairs in our home to get a CD so that the kids and I could listen to a CD. And as I was running back down the stairs, I slipped on a piece of paper. And so I was tumbling down the stairs. Somehow I hurled, hurtled, <laughs> almost hurled too. I, I hurtled over the baby gate and slammed into a wall and face planted into the ground and injured my back. So my kids were there. And um, my oldest daughter, who was, she had just turned five and she came over to me and I was just face planted on the floor and my back was killing me. And she's like, mommy, are, are you okay? And I, of course you tell your kids, yes, I'm okay. You know, cause she's five and the other one's two and a half and you don't want them to worry. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't okay. I was in fact bedridden for two years after that. And, uh, then in a wheelchair for two and a half more years after that. Um, so what happened when I was bedridden was I developed a nerve pain disorder called complex regional pain syndrome. And that is a nerve pain disorder um, that causes you to be so sensitive to touch that even a sheet just kills you. I couldn't have a bed sheet touch me. So here I am a mom, right? And a sheet hurts to touch me. Wow. Kids need touch, right? And husbands, you know? Right. I couldn't, I couldn't be a mom or a wife the way that I always thought I would be. My life had changed and here they are pouring into me. I mean, my little five-year-old is eating up rice bags for me to keep me warm. You know, and she has to push a chair over to the microwave to be able to reach it. These bags up and she would make a dinner of like heating up macaroni and cheese on the stove and um, cutting up carrots for her little two-year-old sister, two and a half-year-old sister. Like it was so precious, the things that they learn, you know, but like we talked about being adaptive, you know, being where situation right adapted you know they're pliable they're flexible yeah. and um so my two and a half year old didn't really you know we didn't skip a beat she climbed on bed and we played with her little animals you know and um I just couldn't be touched as much so we still played together still interacted I still did hold her in my arms and you know, kind of side beside sure. her where her full weight wasn't on me, but I was still able to cuddle with her and Jenny as well, but she was a little bit older and could understand, you know, better. Um, so I not only had that condition, but I was losing a lot of weight. So what that did was it made me malnourished and that almost killed me. I almost died because I didn't feel like eating. When you are in so much pain, you know, like any of us, when we get sick, 
right. we're not hungry. Right. So imagine that going on for two years and I weighed a hundred pounds, which isn't, you know, horrible, but it's not good, you know, and well, and a hundred pounds being bedridden is, is yeah. a lot of, you know, is not good, you know, a hundred pounds. And if you were out there exercising and moving, you would have some muscle and yeah. you lost all your muscle at that point. I did everything atrophied and I couldn't even smile. Like I remember trying to smile and my cheeks would just quiver, you know, cause I, I lost all my muscle mass, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, doctors didn't expect me to live because each week I would lose more weight. Um, but here's the, here's the clincher. So three weeks prior, I had begun studying through prior to my fall down the stairs sure. and studying for a master's program in nutrition. So I had nutrition books. Yeah, I had a pile of nutrition books waiting for me. And for the first, you know, two years, I was in way too much pain to be able to do anything. But then I was able to sit up for a couple minutes because I was working on lifting one pound weights while I was laying in bed and, you know, sitting up for a few minutes at a time. And so for five minutes, I would read and I would underline and study. And I did this one step at a time, like literally a paragraph at a time. And I came across this protein shake and I asked my husband to make it and I was able to drink it and keep it down. And I liked it and I looked forward to it. So this protein shake saved me. Um, God saved me, but this pro he threw this protein shake. Right, sure. I began to eat again, right? Yep. yep. And uh, put on some weight, uh, gained a few pounds, and I gained some hope. So as I'm listening to you, I'm sure there are people out there that are suffering from some sort of ailment. Um, and when you talk about you know not being able to be touched, um, right after. I got married to my husband. We're, we're together 40 years, but married 37. Um, the night before our wedding, um, I have migraines and I got a horrible migraine the night before the wedding. And uh, how we got through the wedding, I have no idea. When I look at the video, it's like, I don't even know who that person is. But from that point, I started developing fibromyalgia. So I know what it means not wanting to be touched, but I didn't have the fibromyalgia 24 seven. I wasn't bedridden. So as I listen to you, it's like, I just can't imagine mm -hmm. um, having two young children and wanting to really be able to play with them and do the things that you want to do. And like you said, you were a young wife, you know, you wanted to be there for your husband, but trying to tell somebody that just a small touch mm -hmm. makes your pain worse. What did family and friends think? Were they um, supportive? You know, 
people expect you to get better, there's an expectation that, oh, well, she was injured a couple weeks ago. She should be improving, right? Right. So I would tell people, well, you know, when there was some sort of improvement, even just a little bit, I would say, yes, I'm getting better. And I learned not to say that because getting better means I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I wasn't fine. But yeah, it's hard when people have an expectation that you get better because some people don't. And I think that's important to remember is, you know, probably not the best question to ask somebody is how are you feeling? Because like you with fibromyalgia, well, you know, you're not always feeling well. And so you want to be honest, right? But you also don't want to disappoint their day. You got it. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? So I think we need to be more creative in the questions that we ask people who are ill or who have fibromyalgia or another illness, you know, and be creative. You know, one of my favorite questions is what have you learned today? Interesting. You know, I love that question. And I teach that, I, I wrote that in my book, that it's a good question to ask people because whether you're sick or not, you can answer that question. We all learn something, right? Absolutely. Also felt like, so my husband and I were leaders in a church. Um, and I felt like when that fall happened and I was no longer able to serve, I felt useless. And I felt like people looked at me as the person that needed to be given to and that I had nothing to give. But what I felt is I had more to give. I felt I had more to give because I felt like I gained some wisdom. And, you know, I was young when this happened. I was 35. And so when you're 35, you know, people don't, don't really ask you or don't, they, they don't go through things in life that are really, really, really hard. Like somebody who's older, might right. have, especially physical ailments. Right. And so I craved, I craved to give. And there's a few people who would sit and, and listen, um, but most people, you know, people move on with their life, which, you know, you don't, I don't expect people to just stop and stop their life right. and pay attention to mine. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is people who are sick have wisdom. You have wisdom to give to people who are going to experience pain at some point in their life, right? I love that. Yeah. And so we need to listen to disabled people. We need to listen to not just physically, but depressed people. We need to listen to homeless people, any kind of suffering. We need to listen because we can learn. You know, and that's one of the main reasons that I do this podcast, because one of the things that you're showing me is that you were in this maze, okay? You know, 
one minute you're running up the steps and everything's fine. Next minute, you know, an accident and they say accidents happen close to home and there you go, you <laughs> have, have that accident. Um, and I'm sure when you laid there with your face planted in the floor and feeling the pain, somewhere in the back of your mind, I'm sure you thought, well, somebody's going to help me and I'm going to get over this and, you know, I'll be ready for Christmas and everything's going to be fine because that's what most of us do. We don't mm -hmm. see this as, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be bedridden for two and a half years. And then when it happened that you were bedridden, um, it sounds like you tried whatever you could do to normalize that situation. And it's not normal to have a young mom in bed for two and a half years, watching her kids grow up. Um, your five-year-old, I'm sure, was ready to go off to kindergarten, if not in kindergarten. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you wanted to be there, you know, rather than having her come say goodbye to you at the bedside. And I find that when these things happen in our life that change us, we are much stronger. But if the people around us expect that strength to cure us overnight, like family and friends were probably, well, hey, Darcy, come on, you know, just sit up, you know, and, you know, fling your feet over the side of the bed and all the things you wanted to do, mm -hmm. but you knew you weren't ready. Yeah, you know what's coming to my mind is there was one person who did say something to me that did help motivate me to change something. And what he did, so he was crying. This was a, a friend of mine and people would come and visit and they thought this was the end for me. And my husband, I mean, we were all preparing for this is the end for me. And what he said to me was, Darcy, can you lift one pound? Can you lift a one pound weight? And I said, I don't know. And he said, why haven't you tried? Hmm. So I asked Mark to get me one pound weights and I began to do exercises from the bed in lifting these one pound weights. So there was something that I could do that I didn't know I could do that helped me. So, you know, there are expectations from people and there are really people that have something to give you. So it's important to listen to them. And yes, I received like a pile of business cards of doctors. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> like you just, did just go to my doctor. My doctor has helped me. And, but what I was finding was the answers weren't in going to the doctors. The answers were in taking small steps myself, holistic steps myself. For instance, lifting one pound weights, for instance, reading a paragraph in my nutrition book, for instance, making a protein shake, the amino acids were helping my brain. I had a counselor who taught me how to meditate and to do progressive relaxation. 
in visualization, I visualized walking again. She taught me visualize walking again. And so I would practice in my mind taking steps. So I would go for a walk every day in my mind. And that's so cool because it worked. I mean, it was part of what helped. There are gazillion things that came together that helped me improve, but it was holistic things. And I was also, I was on a, a lot of medications and I was addicted to Oxycontin. Not unusual in, in our time. Yep. So I was one of those. And my nutritionist, and please, if you're listening, don't do this on your own, but have someone help you to get off of them uh, safely because it, they're dang it's dangerous to go off by yourself. You know, I love the comment that you said that you visualize yourself taking a walk every day. Um, five years ago, my mother at the age of 96 and a half years old had a stroke oh, wow. and she went blind, but didn't know she was blind. Her senses told her she could see. And we were told, do not tell her she's blind because you'll have an angry woman in front of you. <laughs> um, and she did become bedridden because of it. Okay. Because we, we couldn't rehabilitate her at that point. And so I lived with her for the two and a half months that um, she stayed, you know, she was alive and she would ask, you know, why am I just sitting here? Can't we go for a ride? And she was in a hospital bed and she was laying, she wasn't sitting, but in her mind, she was sitting. And I said, okay, mom, where do you want to go? And just about every day we visualized taking wow. a drive and I swear she really believed she was in the car I had to visualize more than her because it was like how do I make this real sure but I realized how much fun I actually was having because I was meeting her where she needed to be but at the same time I was giving her a totally different view yes and it helped me. And, and again, uh, there was no way I was going to say, oh, you'll be better tomorrow. Because a couple of times she'd say, you know, I'm really not feeling well. Is there anything really wrong? No, you know what? We all have those days. And she'd go, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but she would ask me because she knew that I was a migraine sufferer. And every day she'd ask me, are you in pain today? Because she could sense my headaches. Wow. So there are people who can give to us mm -hmm. and if we're aware we can take that. And like you did with the weights, I'm sure when you've probably first heard it, you probably thought this guy was maybe a little nuts. Like, why would you lift a weight when you hurt so much? I was a little embarrassed. You know, I was like, wow, I, you know, I've been trying all these things. I tried so many supplements and I just, I couldn't figure it out. And uh, when he said that, I was like, yeah, let me try that. And, you know, he was right. And 
part of what made me try it was he was crying. I mean, he was really hurting over this. And we weren't that close of friends is the thing. But he was like, just try this, you know, just try one pound. And then one pound eventually became two pounds. And then three pounds, you know, so it helped me to get my muscle back, Absolutely. you know. So you went from being bedridden to also being in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. um, when you got into the wheelchair, did you think, well, hey, I've progressed and this is going to be the best it's going to be? Or did you think I progressed and there's still more in front of me? I had no idea if I was ever going to walk again. No idea. Because I still had the CRPS. And yes, I could sit up more and I was working on my upper body, you know, and I can sit up now. And um, so, yeah, I'm in the wheelchair, but I still had no idea if I could walk. But what I did do was at the advice of um, someone else was pool therapy. So I got in a therapy pool and I'll never ever forget Karen the first day that I put one foot in front of the other in the pool. It was magical. And it was like, you miss the feeling of walking but you also forget how to walk when it's been that long, your brain forgets. And that's what kind of scared me was like, I have to relearn how to walk. But I did, I did in the water. And my husband brought me to pool therapy twice a week. And my kids played at the side of the pool. Um, so they were able to be with us and watch mommy get better. Right. And I was able to interact as I walked back and forth on either side. And uh, then eventually I was able to take a few steps on land. And a few years later, I had no pain. And the reason I had no pain was because as all this was going on, I was still studying. I was able to study more and more and more. So I was incorporating various nutrition holistic practices and earned my master's degree in holistic nutrition. I was my first client. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best client to have. <laughs> I was my I was my case study. <laughs> but no, it was a four-year program, but because of my circumstance, the, the college gave me a couple more years uh, to complete it. So very graciously, they, they did that. But um, so I was able to, to say my CRPS disappeared, which is very, very uncommon. If you get CRPS, you can expect to have it the rest of your life. So I opened a nutrition practice began seeing clients and eventually started teaching sports nutrition at the local high school. And by this time, my kids are in high school. So they were part of the program. So they saw me come full circle. And uh, now I'm teaching them 
sports nutrition and of course practicing at home with them because they were both soccer players and uh, seeing clients and um, one of my clients became a nutritionist. I helped some kids with anorexia um, come out of that and mostly weight loss programs, but I'm still a nutritionist. I'm still licensed. I have a practice that I practice part-time uh, because I wrote a book. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time on that. So this is what I marvel about is many of us who have been through a maze of heartbreaks and um, medical issues and life changes, um, something sort of clicks and will tell us, you know what, this is what you're really meant to do. This is what you need to do. Number one, it can help you get better. I don't think we ever think of it as we're going to be cured because, you know, we don't know. Um, if we had that crystal ball, you know, we may have uh -huh. gone that direction sooner. Yeah. But I found the same thing for me that all the pains that emotional pains I felt the majority of my life. Once I decided that, hey, I can't do what I was doing before. I have to take a new direction. And I searched for it. I asked questions. I mm -hmm. listened. I became more aware of things. And then it was like, hey, you know, I don't have all that heavy weight on me anymore. It's not that life is perfect 24 seven, because I'm sure you'd say the same thing, you know, that's just not realistic, but we know the things that we need to do for ourselves. We can share that with others and maybe somebody else wouldn't, even if they followed your same path, it may not have worked a hundred percent for them, but if they were listening and aware and working at it, they would find their path. And mm -hmm. that's that's why your story is so important because it's not about giving up, okay? When mm -hmm. our time is up, our time is gonna be up. We're not mm -hmm. gonna have a choice, okay? Um, this afternoon, um, I lost an acquaintance who battled cancer for two and a half years. And the last couple weeks have been just mind-wrenching for him and his wife. Um, and so the handwriting was sort of on the wall, but, you know, he had some good days and then he had some lows. And he didn't know when his time was, but when his time was today, um, as heart-wrenching as it is, he fought a beautiful battle. And mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he and his wife talked about a lot of the ups the same way I'm sure you and your husband your family you know when things were getting better hey we see this but you know what we can't get overly enthusiastic because right. where else is it going to go um, and I'm sure that's something that your clients probably understand as well yeah 
Um, you know, there's no guarantees. You know, every day we just do the best that we can. And sometimes we stumble upon that thing that helps us. You know, I used to think that there was only one way of getting better. And I had to do everything to find that one thing. But there's more than one way, you know, of, of reaching whatever getting better is for someone. Right. You know, and so, yes, people have success with weight loss, but that doesn't mean they don't keep trying, you know, it's not right. like, okay, I've lost the weight now. I can, I can do away with what Darcy taught me, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to keep on it. You have to keep up with it. But even then life is unpredictable. Things happen. You know, for me, when I lost my mom, I lost weight because I wasn't hungry. When I lost my dad, I was hungry. So I overate, you know, it, it's just, there's no guarantee and things happen, but we do the best that we can. And, you know, I'm sure with your migraines and your fibromyalgia, I have fibromyalgia too, by the way. I'm sure um, you do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, but we just, we try different things and we have conversations and, you know, we just take stepping stones. And I think it's really important to remember that that's what it is. A stepping stone is okay. A stepping stone leads somewhere. It's okay if other people are taking big steps and they're making big strides. Who's to say that your small step that day wasn't bigger than someone who ran a marathon? I mean, you are so right. Um, I did a podcast with another gentleman from Podmatch and he was talking about success and success to him um, is being able to work four days a week and have three days off. Mm. Um, and he has found a way to do that. And um, he's very happy. It makes, it makes him joyous. And, you know, I thought about it. I'm not a good, I don't really enjoy a lot of downtime. I like to be doing things. And so as after I did the podcast, I thought about it and I said, you know, I now see how we are all so different because I basically work seven days a week at something, but the some things I'm working at, I love doing. So, you know, when somebody looks at me and goes, don't you ever take time off? Well, even doing a podcast like this, you know, I don't need to take time off because I'm enriching myself. I'm learning about you. I'm learning that, you know what? There are other things out there that can make us feel better. We don't always have to take a handful of prescription drugs. Sometimes initially we may have to, but it doesn't have to be the rest of our life. And the nutritional, you know, uh, shake that your husband made for you, um, I might make it and I might gag on it. On the other hand, I, <laughs> I might make it and I might love it. My brother made me one one day and it was like, oh my God, like get that away. But, but I make other ones myself, okay? Yeah. 
and they make me feel good. Um, And I drink them from a nutritional standpoint. You know, it's not anything to cure anything. It's like, you know, you need your fruits and vegetables. And so uh, there's some good ways to drink those fruits and vegetables. Um, And again, that's being aware in listening and watching how other people get through this. What I would love to do is have you back on so we can talk about your book. But before that, tell people about a little bit about the book right now. Okay, just a teaser. Yeah. So it's called Beauty Beyond the Thorns, Discovering Gifts and Suffering. And it's a book about some of the stories about my sufferings in my life, as well as other people. And I share stories also that are in the Bible about people who go through hard times and I parallel them and it's a lighthearted book. It's not a heavy suffering book, you know, there's humor in it Um, and there's short chapters for people who, you know, who are hurting or just, you know, it just helps the flow go faster. But um, anyway, it's available on Amazon and it's for people who go through any type of suffering, no matter short or long. It's just to help provide hope. Hope is the main message. Well, and hope can take us very far. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I heard you mention, you know, the loss of your parents. And I agree. Um, different reactions with both of my parents as well. Um, loved them both dearly and uh, questioned myself, why did I do that one time and didn't do it the second time or whatever. Um, And those are things that sometimes can, you know, mess up our brain. And you know what, sometimes we can't control some of the things that are going through there. We have to just stop, take a breath, right? listen, and uh, move on. So Darcy, I'm going to be in touch with you so we can have you back on, but how can people find you in the meantime? Okay. So my website is Darcy, D-A-R-C-I, J, just the initial J, Steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R.com, DarcyJSteiner.com. Well, we will definitely put that in the show notes. And uh, I will send you an email. We'll get you scheduled for another show. And it's possible we may have another guest on because the two of you, I think between both of your books could really help a lot of people. So um, I will mention that in the email and give you a little bit more information and introduce you to her via email and, uh, let's just, you know, see how many people we can touch and uh, help through whatever pain they're going through. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day and give that baby a hug for me next week. Okay. Oh, of course. I'd love to. I appreciate (laughs) that. Have a good day. Bye-bye now.